Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. Tonight, significant hurricane threat. The U.S. prepares for what could be its first major storm of this season. Hurricane Fiona knocks out power for thousands in Bermuda before heading toward Canada. CBS's Tanya Rivero reports tonight on the rare hurricane warnings up north as all eyes are on a tropical depression that could pose serious danger to Florida next week. Border battle. A governor sued after flying migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez has a look at the cause of the crisis. El Paso's Migrant Welcome Center is receiving 400 asylum seekers per day, and officials believe that number could grow. Protests in Iran turn deadly. Women burn their headscarves and take to the streets after this 22-year-old was killed in police custody. CBS's Ramian Asensio reports on the intensifying outrage. And on the road, CBS's Steve Hartman has a story of a friendship formed at first sight. I got a best friend. I got a mini-me. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this busy Friday night. I'm Jerika Duncan in for Nora. Tonight, forecasters are keeping a very close eye on two major storm systems, one bearing down on Canada. The other could cause significant damage to the Gulf Coast and Florida. Hurricane Fiona is moving north towards Canada after hitting Bermuda earlier today with heavy rains and winds. The damage was far more devastating, though, in Puerto Rico, where nearly one million homes and businesses remain without power just five days after Fiona caused catastrophic flooding. 
The hurricane is currently a Category 3 storm and is expected to make landfall in Nova Scotia by tomorrow morning. Forecasters here in the United States are concerned about a storm in the Caribbean, Tropical Depression 9. It could become a major hurricane that's on track to hit Florida next week. The governor there now declaring a state of emergency in preparation. Our CBS's Tanya Rivera will start us off tonight from the Jersey coastline. Good evening to you, Tanya. Good evening, Jerika. Fiona barreled its way from the Caribbean to the Atlantic. Tonight it is gaining speed as it churns its way north off the East Coast, triggering dangerous conditions, including heavy waves all along the way. Fiona isn't finished just yet. The storm battered Bermuda today with howling winds and driving rain, knocking out power to thousands. This is what Fiona looked like earlier from the inside. It's 50-foot waves and more than 100 mile-per-hour winds captured by a drone as the storm crawled up the Atlantic. Leaving behind from Puerto Rico to the Dominican Republic to Turks and Caicos, a near week-long trail of destruction. At least seven deaths have been attributed to the storm. More than half of Puerto Rico, where Fiona got its start earlier this week, is still without power. More than a quarter of the island has no water. There are debris, blocked roads, and mud-caked homes. I always have extra uh, cases of water. With Puerto Rico fresh on their minds, Floridians are taking no chances as a new storm gathering in the Caribbean threatens to hit sometime next week. I'm pretty prepared for anything. And as Fiona barrels northward, residents along the Canadian coast are preparing for it to hit them hard within the next day. I have everything prepared. I got my candles, I got my batteries. Canada may be getting the brunt of this storm, but along the East Coast, Fiona will be kicking up life-threatening surf and rip current conditions all throughout the weekend. Jerika. A lot of communities impacted. Thank you, Tanya. For the very latest on Hurricane Fiona and the dangers posed by Tropical Depression 9, let's bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Chris, good evening. Good evening, Jerika. Fiona is still a powerful storm as it continues to track to the north. The latest with this, a 125 mile per hour Category 3 storm as it does continue to move to the north and where it's heading it's going to canada the storm is going to remain very large and still very strong making landfall likely at a category one hurricane here in maritime canada so this is well north of new york city and even north of maine as it continues up to the north however we in southern locations need to pay very close attention to this. this is a tropical depression, but if you are on the Gulf Coast, Florida, and even the East Coast, there is a very powerful hurricane being forecast here by the National Hurricane Center. Uh, it does show that there will be some rapid intensification in the Western Caribbean, so everything is on the table. Flooding, heavy rain, and very strong winds. Jerika? Yeah, we'll definitely be following this through the weekend. Thank you. In Ukraine, a Kremlin-backed referendum got underway across Russian-occupied regions today in an attempt to make them part of Russia. The so-called election is illegal under international law. Well, this afternoon, President Biden called the referendums a sham and said Washington will never recognize Ukrainian territory as anything other than part of Ukraine. 
Meanwhile, in Russia, long lines of military-aged men are fleeing the country in droves, packing planes and causing traffic jams at border crossings, all to avoid fighting in Ukraine. Tonight, two American veterans who were released in a multi-nation prisoner swap with Russia are finally back home on U.S. soil. Both men from Alabama arrived at New York's JFK International Airport today. They were captured by Russian separatists in June while defending Ukraine's Kharkiv region. Saudi Arabia helped to broker their release. Well, to Florida now, Florida's Republican governor is facing a new legal battle over those controversial flights traveling migrants to Martha's Vineyard. As the U.S. faces a growing crisis at the border, CBS's Manuel Bajorquez takes us inside an immigrant facility in El Paso. The flights carrying 48 asylum seekers from Texas to Martha's Vineyard are now the focus of a new lawsuit. Florida State Senator Jason Pizzo, a Democrat, says the $615,000 flights violate state law and is now asking a judge to stop Republican Governor Ron DeSantis from launching similar flights. When you fly people from Texas, when you pay for their hotel rooms, when you buy them meals and give them haircuts, uh, you know, using Florida dollars, you're violating the law. DeSantis has dismissed those claims and yesterday doubled down. This was not an issue of concern even two weeks ago. Now it seems to be on the front burner, so we're proud of that. In El Paso, Texas, we were given rare access to a new mobile processing center, seeing an average of 1,500 migrants a day. About half of them fled from Venezuela's authoritarian regime. You'd rather risk your life over this one-month journey over staying in Venezuela. There's no guarantee. There are large numbers of Nicaraguans and Cubans, too. Landon Hutchins is with Customs and Border Protection. How does that change the equation for you? Well, uh, unlike the, the Mexicans and Central Americans, we are having to process the people coming from Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua under our Title VIII authorities. Meaning they're usually released and allowed to request asylum. The U.S. has detained a record more than 2 million migrants at the border so far this year. But CBP says more than 1.3 million have also been deported or expelled. Julia Jimenez-Gonzalez fled Cuba. You want to be free and reunite with your family? She's hoping to get to relatives in the Tampa area. Jerica, we're also learning that a civil rights organization is offering a $5,000 reward for information on a woman who allegedly lured migrants under false pretenses to get on those flights paid for by Florida. Wow. Manny, thank you for your reporting. Well, breaking tonight, an Iowa man is now facing prison time for his role in the January 6th assault on the U.S. Capitol. A federal jury here in Washington convicted Doug Jensen on multiple felony charges, including obstruction and assault. Prosecutors say Jensen tried to stop the certification of electoral votes by scaling a 20-foot wall and leading a mob that chased Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman through the building. Jensen's lawyer said he got sucked into a QAnon conspiracy theory. Well, the House January 6th committee will hold its next public hearing on Wednesday to reveal more findings. For Sunday 60 Minutes, CBS's Bill Whitaker talks to a former investigator for the committee who shares new details of an alleged phone call that day from inside the White House. Did it hit you at one point that this is way bigger than it appeared in the beginning? Absolutely. You get a real aha moment 
when you see that the White House switchboard had connected to a rioter's phone while it's happening. That's a big, pretty big aha moment. You get an aha Wait moment. a minute. Someone in the White House was calling one of the rioters while the riot was going on? On January 6th, absolutely. And you know who both ends of that call? I only know one end of that call. I don't know the White House end, which I believe is more important. But the thing is, the American people need to know that there are link connections that need to be explored more. As senior technical advisor for the January 6th committee, Denver Riggleman, a former House Republican and ex-military intelligence officer, ran a data-driven operation pursuing phone records and other digital clues tied to the attack on the Capitol. From my perspective, you know, being in counterterrorism, you know, if the White House, even if it's a short call and it's a connected call, um, who is actually making that phone call? Is there a simple, innocent explanation for that? Was it an accidental call from the White House that just happened to call numbers that somebody misdialed a rider that day on January 6th? Probably not. Well, you can see more of Bill Whitaker's interview on this Sunday's 60 Minutes. Overseas in Iran, the government is cracking down on demonstrators following nearly a week of mass protests over the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini while in custody of the morality police. Human rights groups say at least 50 people have been killed during the unrest. Here's CBS's Ramian Asensio. Women defiantly taking off their head coverings, breaking Islamic law. Some going further, burning their hijabs in protest, even cutting their hair. These anti-government protests were sparked by the death of 22-year-old Mahsa Amini. Iran's so-called morality police arrested her for wearing an improper hijab and claimed she suffered a heart attack while in detention. Her family believes she was beaten to death. The protests, the biggest since 2019, have touched a nerve. Now women and men have spilled into the streets, attacking authoritarian symbols, chanting death to the dictator, even stoning an image of Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. Sanam Vakil is an Iran policy expert. It showcases the level of public anger. People are just fed up. This is a generation of Iranians that are pushing back. They're angry for so many reasons. Rising poverty, soaring inflation, crushing sanctions on top of government repression. They forced Iranian security, the Basij, to flee. This commander bloodied, this policeman killed. But human rights groups say civilian deaths are rising too as the government cracks down and shuts down web access to stop the world from seeing videos like these. And when the internet was cut three years ago, a crackdown on mass protest happened soon after. Iran's military today has already threatened violence, saying it is ready to deal with its enemies. Jerika? Yeah, those images, tough to watch. Ramey, thank you. In tonight's Health Watch, we're looking at the mental health crisis among Americans' youth. A new study finds nearly one in five young people suffered from depression before the pandemic hit, and it's only gotten worse. CBS's Meg Oliver explains. Focus on your exhale. If I open up to my parents about how I feel, it'll make them think that they failed. 18-year-old Emma Wanstall has learned it's okay to ask for help. The former cheerleader started treatment for her mental health in July. It's good to feel emotions, but you just have to deal with them in the right way. During the pandemic, Emma fell into a deep depression. How bad did it get? It got to the point where I overdosed um, 
and I was planning on going to bed that night and not waking up in the morning. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among people aged 15 to 24 in the U.S. Since 2019, the number of teenage girls who have been suicidal has increased 50 percent. Why is it getting worse? It's the pressure of the return to normalcy. Now we're trying to get back to normal when we've all lost out on some skills. Samantha Gigno is a family therapist at Newport Healthcare. She says parents should look for changes in behavior, isolating from friends, substance use, self-harm, or eating disorders. Is it okay to talk to your child about suicide? Yes, absolutely. That's a very big fear, right? If you name that for your adolescent, it will put the idea in their head, and that's not the case. So you want to ask your child, are you having thoughts of hurting yourself? Are you having thoughts of worthlessness or hopelessness? You can talk to me. If you can't, we'll get you the help that you need. Emma is learning to cope through various therapies and now relies on boxing as an emotional outlet. What do you want other kids to know who are suffering from depression or possibly thinking about suicide? That you're not alone. There is a lot of people out there that are going through the same thing as you. And it's hard, but you have to face it head on. Moving forward by taking the first step. Meg Oliver, CBS News, Bethlehem, Connecticut. New video out tonight shows a train near Denver slamming into a police car with a woman handcuffed in the back seat. Take a look. The 20-year-old woman had been pulled over on suspicion of road rage. Well, tonight she's in the hospital. The officer parked his car on that rail crossing and left the suspect inside while he searched her vehicle. Then a train, as you saw there, with its horn blaring, barreled through and slammed into the patrol car. The woman is expected to survive. The officer is on paid leave. The Boston Celtics suspended its head coach overnight for the entire NBA season. The Celtics said the move follows a months-long investigation into M.A. Uduka's conduct. He reportedly had a relationship with a female team employee, a violation of team rules. Udoka, in a statement, apologized for letting down the team and his family. On the Road is next with a special bond between two friends. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. There are few things more beautiful in life than a close friend, especially when that person can see the beauty from within. That's what CBS's Steve Hartman found this week on the road. I'm over here! When people first see nine-year-old Carson Majors of Encinitas, California, almost everyone jumps to the same conclusion. But she doesn't have cancer. Good job! 
up. She's fine. Easy. She just has alopecia universalis, an autoimmune disease that results in near total hair loss. Carson began showing symptoms at the age of six, and within two years, her flowing blonde locks were completely gone. I like to do my hair a lot, but then it fell out, so. Carson says it still bothers her at times. Because I miss my hair. But she says her attitude improved dramatically after a chance meeting on the lacrosse field. When you first saw her, what did you think? She was like so nice, pretty, beautiful, cool. She was way older than me. But equally bald. She's like, do you have alopecia? I was like, yeah. She, do you? She's like, yeah. It was a moment of awe, especially because the sun was setting. It was just like shining down. It was like perfect. 17-year-old <laughs> Scarlett Hall says she used to hate her hair loss too. But her attitude also improved dramatically after meeting Carson. Scarlett! Carson! Hi, kid. I got a best friend. I got a mini-me. <laughs> Alopecia in children is rare. <laughs> which is why Scarlett decided it was especially important not only to engage with Carson that first day, but to remain a presence in her life. I want to be able to show her that, like, you're perfect. You don't need to look like the people in the magazine cover. And by all accounts, that message is getting through. Did she help make you more comfortable with who you are? Yes. By something she said or just the way she was? The way she was. So friends make that big a difference. Did you not know that? I had an inkling, but now I believe it even more. <laughs> Two besties so showing the world that hair should never be top of mind and that bold is beautiful. Steve Hartman That's perfect. on the road in Encinitas, California. That's what friends are for. Tennis great Roger Federer took to the court one last time before retirement. The 20-time Grand Slam winner considered one of the greatest players in history teamed up with his longtime rival Rafael Nadal for his final professional match at the Labor Cup in London. Well, that does it for us tonight. Watching the CBS Evening News, Nora O'Donnell will be back next week. I'm Jerika Duncan in our nation's capital. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great night and an even better weekend. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I've been a reporter for more than three decades, and along the way, I've been talking to myself in notebooks I've carried in my back pocket. They've captured thoughts about life, parenthood, death, friendship, and more. I'm John Dickerson, and I'd like you to join me in figuring out what these 30 years of notebooks mean in my new podcast, Navel Gazing. Each episode, we dig through the piles of notebooks that I've been collecting, and from their entries, try to sort out what makes a life. This collection of audio essays is available wherever you get your podcasts.